I don't think I've ever really said this to you. Uh, for maybe the last three, maybe four years, I've been experiencing a lot of imposter syndrome. There were people here in management before uh, the current one who who gaslit me, who uh, downplayed my experience, who said my experience working with young children, being in the being in an in-home uh, child care center, being in an after-school program, being in wraparound care, right? Like that, that doesn't really count. So for a long time, I just kind of felt unsure, uneasy when it came to being with young children. Um, and I think it took the the trust of my current director, um, you, the the team around me now, the team that's around me now, to be like, oh, well, well, actually, no, I I do know what I'm doing. Like I have experience in this. Um, so it took a while for me to break out of that. And that's not to say I found the cure, since you know we're living in pandemic time. <laughs> um, because there are still a lot of situations where I'm like, dang, and. Am I the right person to, to talk about this, to, to, to do this? But I thought that would be like a fun little topic, fun, right, quotations, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about with you today. And I'm, I'm really talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, that's, it, that's funny, Mike, because like, like I was telling you or, earlier, you know, this is, I don't know, it's only been maybe a month since I've started hearing that word mm. or those two words put together. Mm. And, you know, it. I, it's interesting. We live in this day and day and age where there's so much self reflection mm-hmm. going on that, or at least, can go to the club. So I got to self reflect. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's I think a silver lining that COVID has given us in this mm-hmm. whole situation. It's giving us time to pause and reflect on all these things that we're experiencing, our choices that we've made, whether it be actions we've taken or the people we surround ourselves with. Um, it has really given a moment for people to self-reflect and come up with some of these fancy buzzwords. Mm. And, and we have, um, you know, that with the advancements in technology, there's more people putting out their self-reflections out there for better or worse. Yeah. You know, but I think in this case, I'm thinking for the better because when I heard imposter syndrome the first time, um, I, I took it as like being something you're not, not necessarily as a self doubt kind of mm-hmm. kind of a thing, and and what I hear you like also, um, what naming out with uh, past managements and and to where you're currently at is it kind of you remind like I mean one there needs to be a reciprocal trust built right so mm-hmm. someone isn't feeling like imposter syndrome yeah. yeah. And so that way also someone isn't perpetuating that Mm -hmm. and then being very clear and transparent about what they mean about like experiences not counting and having the time to like just unpack that. Mm. Right. Um, But that shouldn't, that's not an excuse for someone saying what they did. And it's not to say like, get over your feelings. Yeah, exactly. But more like, let's sit with it and unpack it more. And and that sometimes takes time and vulnerability. And yeah. And, there's a lot of times people don't want to do either of those, take the time or lean into vulnerability. And then I also think about it being systematic, mm. how these uh, white centered spaces yep. have a particular narrative and lens that then some, someone like yourself who did come into that space, um, it's easy to be like, whoa, whoa, wait, yeah, what am I doing here? You know? Um, and like that graphic I showed you uh, about imposter syndrome, where ideally you would be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust the good intentions that they had or have, and my my vision of what I where I want to go with this." And they invited me here, so I got to kind of lean into that, right? And you have, and I think you've been able to shift things up um, to 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 reshape that narrative. Um, but then also really, you know, trusting oneself of why you're here. But again, it's hard to do that when everybody else around you is in one, maybe one particular lens and that's, um, you know, and I think about even on the macro level of immigrants coming over, mm. like, am I citizen enough? Exactly. You know, am I, 
um, American enough, quote unquote, whatever the hell that yeah. means, you know. I mean, I even have that now in other uh, other spaces, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. man, am I am I black enough? Like, right. so I was listening to Kelly Clarkson earlier before you came over, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yo, this is a dope song, like you know what I mean. But then the next song I was playing, I was playing Two Chains, so you know, it's just <laughs> it's a spectrum, but uh, it's just it's just, it's wild to me um, how we like you always say put put people into boxes and mm-hmm. label them and say any deviation of that is not acceptable. Yeah. And, you know, I think with myself, um, you know, and I, I think I mentioned this in a podcast a while ago that like being uh, like Mexican American and then also having some native blood, but also looking other ways of racially ambiguous. It was always this, the contexts around me, I think supported the ideas of like, am I this enough? Am I not enough? Mm. I don't do X, Y, and Z. So maybe I don't, maybe I'm not Mexican enough, Mm. you know? Um, And then even like with my native side, which is, you know, I think um, since being at daybreak, it's a side that's being reawakened and it has always been there. And it's something I always knew about, but at times I get, I wonder you know, like, am I native enough? Mm-hmm. And that kind of thinking, though, is what colonization wants me to do. Absolutely. Because I don't, I am not particularly, uh, what would I say, like, culturally tapped into the Shumash tribe because colonization did its job and took a lot of that away. Mm-hmm. And so there's only book knowledge that I have, right? And not a whole lot of experiences. And so a lot of the native and tribal experiences that I have now are from other tribes and I but I'm like I'm cool with that because it's um we're all relatives exactly all right y'all so everyone knows that child care is essential we're some of the most influential people out there yet we are often overworked and underpaid so how can you work full-time Have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine-tune your skills and grow more in-depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCasts are designed to help you learn on the go, hear another perspective, spark debate, (laughs) heck, even agree with us, but honestly remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. You know, one thing I was talking to my wonderful supervisor, Cynthia Savini, who I hope to get on the napcast here pretty soon. Hey, Cynthia. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I told her, like, you know, we were talking about, like, what is being indigenous? And she wears this shirt that says indigenous enough. Mm. Like, I don't need to quantify myself yeah. to you, right? And um, one thing that, I guess, going in line with imposter syndrome, you know, I always kind of thought of it was you're trying to be something more than you're actually not or that you can't speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those, so... I guess I took imposter syndrome being like, okay, if I just started putting on different indigenous regalia or if I started wearing Coast Salish things, but in my core, that feels kind of icky to me because I'm not Coast Salish, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you won't really see me wear anything that's Coast Salish, even though I all support the people and whatnot and I'll work in the organization that is predominantly uh, Coast Salish as well as other tribes. but it, that'd be like me putting it like repping some Puerto Rican or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Dominican Republican stuff. Like, yes, they're in the Latin culture, but it's not mine. Mm. I wonder at what point does it become imposter syndrome? Will we move away from imposter syndrome to uh, appropriation? Right. And, and I wonder about appropriation in the sense of where it's self-imposed appropriation, Mm. right? Where 
again, like maybe taking your example of like, am I black enough or like what people see of that? Like, Mm -hmm. like you and I had a a conversation a while ago. Um, hopefully this is okay for me to say, cause you said it (laughs) that like people calling you a Carlton. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I guess in that sense, and even for myself being called particular things where it's like, no, we've maybe subconsciously adapted quote unquote white practices mm-hmm. or ways of being for our survival exactly and so that's why i'm like we self-appropriate these cultural items onto ourselves mm-hmm. um and i guess i only bring up that carlton example because you know that's the the example of a pop culture re- reference that most people might know of uh, uh, like a, a visibly black person who was doing quote-unquote white things mm-hmm. you know whatever that meant and it like and so when we see our our own people out in the real world and they put that on us, I'm only now just reflecting like oh, like did I self appropriate mm. like some of those aspects again for survival yeah. to fit within this context. And then at the same time, we're still dealing with like, am I black enough? Am I Mexican enough? Am I American enough? I certainly know I'm not white enough because it like like you said always comes down to skin color. Yeah. Right? So we can adapt all these things all we want, but the bottom line is our race. So I'm I was thinking back to when uh I was talking to this teaching assistant uh the other day and she was like, Oh well I'm not sure if I should be able to be here um with the children alone right and i'm like well the apache background check you um i i don't care about degrees but like this person had a degree i'm like you got a degree so through the system quote unquote you're qualified right whatever that means mm-hmm. um and your ratio like you're in one of the six children right now so i, I want to like figure out where's what what's coming up for you like what is, this, what is this actually about so I want to move that conversation to a conversation between us about what have you or have you faced anything in your years um, that made you think damn I don't know anything about this but I'm supposed to be the quote unquote expert in the room whether it's a maybe it's a conversation uh, a caregiver asked you a question that caregiver asked you, and you're like, uh, oh. yeah, um, man, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> and and I and I think that's because uh, certain pressures, um, you know, like you and I have always said, like, I I find it super important and valuable for for me to be in early childhood space for who I am, mm-hmm. and so I don't I don't want to screw that up. Yeah, and so I wanted, I had wanted to um, know or, or seem like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, uh, and most currently, when we met with those group of people about the outdoor space, mm-hmm. um, you know, some relatively heavy hitter people. Yeah, and they're asking me about like indigenous sort of things, and again, like I don't claim to be an indigenous scholar. I'm, um, I can't tell you about what life is like on the reservation. I don't even want to like just uh, convey that message just because I've heard other people talk about it, mm-hmm. but I can speak a, tr- a particular truth, which I think I did. Yeah. And that, um, and, but to me that wasn't me trying to, but it, I, I guess I felt like what I told you earlier, you know, I felt icky about it. Cause I was like, like now that I work at this, space like now i'm supposed to have all this indigenous knowledge mm. right or like now i'm like this indigenous expert or whatever or like when you found out you you're part Filipinx, yeah like suddenly some people like, started <laughs> talking tag along to me yeah and i'm like i'm not gonna just know that if that was the case i'd be so multilingual yeah I, yeah i would not probably be in this field <laughs> um and and even currently and you know what was interesting, like, uh, during this month of November, all of these schools mm-hmm. hitting me up about how should we celebrate Native American History Month, month mm-hmm. or Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, I, I essentially, um, and I didn't hear back from any of these people, probably because of what I said, <laughs> and which is fine, uh-huh. because this is an extractive process that they were doing. They're trying to, yes, they're coming to the experts, and they're coming to the source, that's great and all, mm-hmm. but do you understand that this is extracting my time and energy to give you, to get, give you what you can find on Google? Exactly. You know, like you, you're mining my spirit, you're mining my intellectual energy and, and property, essentially. And the thing that kills me on this is that it's happening in November, whether, and there's no yeah. intentionality. I would, you know, don't hit me up for Black History Month on February 1st. Uh-huh. Talk to me in, in April, because you're already thinking about next year and the impact yeah. and how you're going to s- spread black history and black brilliance yeah. throughout your entire year in curriculum. Yeah, and that's essentially like what I did um, or what I had said too is like it's unfortunate that this is attached to this month because mm-hmm. what because of the the holiday that that's also attached to this month. Mm-hmm. And I said first and foremost, you know, just just make sure that this is a practice you're going to be doing all the time because exactly. you live in a city that is named after one of the greatest chiefs ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that needs to be at your forefront of your practices, connecting the children back to the land that they live with and essentially occupy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I didn't, re- you know, because they were asking for like recipes and stories mm-hmm. and things. I'm like, yeah, I don't just have a Rolodex of these things. And like, thank you for, for asking me. Like, I, I don't want yeah. that message to, to get lost in this because right. I do appreciate the fact that they reached out to... Uh, uh, an indigenous space center mm-hmm. and not just try to, you know, I don't want to, you know, go to some other white organization and go, well, what are you doing? Let me right. do that too. Um, so in, in that regard, you know, with all of that, I know that was a little tangential, but, um, I, I have found myself with that imposter syndrome in this, uh, native and indigenous side, but also, um, uh, for myself, it's like, yeah, remembering, I know my history, and I know um, what my work is to remember that, not as a cognitive recall, but to bring back the pieces, right, the remembering piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I would say, um, one particular moment that sticks out was when I was invited to Chicago to give a keynote speech, speech and it was like my first first solo one. What the hell was this? Oh, uh, I don't know. It might have been just before you came oh, okay. to Hilltop, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, uh, Joel was handling oh, okay. the gotcha. uh, <laughs> of that um, stuff. But um, it was for an infant-toddler specific conference. Mm. And so I went out there and and it was like an hour and a half talk of just me with big screens that showed me behind <laughs> me. And in front of like uh, about 600 people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, what? I got this. And then and then I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And like just knowing like, you know, because everybody that had been there before me had these PhDs where had are these research people and all this. And here I was like just or quote unquote, just a teacher. Mm-hmm. And and all I could speak to was my experience, but I felt like that wasn't enough. Mm. And I felt like I had to deliver something like that was maybe parallel to these PhD and research people and people who have been in the field for like 30 plus years. Cause at that time I think I was only in the field for maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that. And, but what you're saying is is literally the definition of imposter syndrome. It's that, it's that collection of feelings of inadequ- inadequacy that even though you have 10 years of success, right, you still feel like this sense of, of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could lead to anxiety, stress, or, you know, maybe even you potentially not even doing the next opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, when I was looking up the things for... Um uh, about imposter syndrome and kind of doing my own um, quest in that knowledge. Uh, that I, the one thing that stu- stood out in that definition also is intellectual fraudulence, mm. because I think that is 
I don't think, but I know that is something that has always, um, like, been a cloud over my head. Like, am I smart enough? And yeah. and there and in my own family, I was like the second person to go to college, and so, and you know, when you're, I think when you're told these things as a kid, like, oh, you're smart, you're this, and you're yeah. that, and you start yeah. believing it, but then life hits you, and you start <laughs> hitting real realities, and you're like, wait, am I? Mm-hmm. You know, and. Um, you know, and I, and so I think for myself with the intellectual fraudulence is like, I, um, I wanted, I had always tried to, and I think I got this from my dad too, to try to sound, <laughs> sorry dad, if you listen to this, but you're under the bus. <laughs> I think I tried to sound smarter than, than I felt, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to, it's like somebody going to the gym and saying that they can fight. Yeah. You know, like get all the gym muscles, but and then like, yeah, I can fight. But you see them in a fight, and yeah, fight. yeah, man. <laughs> so it's you know, Logan but, Paul. <laughs> so it's more about like I think, how do we cultivate a system where where people can just feel good about who they are and what they bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? And and what systems are essentially perpetuating um, that you have to fit within this context, yeah. And if you don't, then you become an imposter and another thing i was going to ask you though is like how does imposter syndrome enable uh, white fragility i think because we we work so hard to get degrees we work so hard to get certifications um we work so hard because society has put standards on what is what funds of knowledge is is validated and when you fall short of that, um, there's some disequilibrium. And we then internalize that um, for, for ourselves as BIPOC and then for white for white people. Wait, what was the question again? <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, how does imposter syndrome enable? Mm. But yeah, keep going. Uh, imposter syndrome enable white fragility for obviously white people um, in, the, in the sense that And you're saying it like with, you know, there is these constructs and narratives that that they're supposed to meet, right? Because even within their own white context, there's this like, this is how you be white. This is how you have to be this way. And then when they fall short of that, it becomes this like shaking experience. Mm. I see it as uh, on two fronts. I see it as, oh, well, did I make the wrong hire? So now I'm feeling fragile in my own abilities. And then I also see it as a threat mm-hmm. where what if you exceed those um, external kind of uh, markers of success mm-hmm. and you exceed those, yes, I feel good in myself in terms of I made the right hire, I'm a great boss, and then I can also see them feeling fragile in the fact that well, this is, especially in the movement that we're in now, oh, this is, there's this push for more diversity and getting more um, diverse voices, races, and perspectives on leadership in in more prominent positions. And now I feel fragile and threatened that your success, you're eventually going to take my job. Mm-hmm. So now let me impose additional standards um, in order to maybe not consciously, but maybe self-consciously set you up for failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sorry. I had to <laughs> word vomit a bit to get my like thoughts in order. Well, well, technically I'm not sorry. You know, check out what episode 10 of Napcast titled why sorry sucks on our thoughts about that. But, but yeah, um, let me just add a little bit more to what I was saying about imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. white fragility. Great question, by the way. Um, because sometimes we, we might impose uh, additional standards or hoops for people to jump through because you realized that maybe you received a job not because you were the best fit or best situated or most talented, uh, but maybe because you were next in line or because 
you was just there at the right time. Mm-hmm. Or because you you were buddy-buddy uh, with HR and the board of directors or the manager, and it was gifted to you. And because you have been an imposter, um, in the sense that, you know, you were thinking using as a, as a definition, Nick, and now you're seeing someone beneath you who had to grind to get there, suddenly you, you're starting to feel threatened slash like an imposter. Or, or in the sense that I was talking about with imposter syndrome and, and how white people might feel inadequate in a position and then projects that onto people by, uh, by like uh, setting up a culture where, where people overwork themselves mm-hmm. or, and believes in perfectionism in order to, to meet a ridiculous standard of what success looks like, quotation marks which often comes at the expense of, of like my personal ambitions or, or my mental health. Right? I have a whole life outside of my nine to five. And, and I know I was chatting or, or no, I have chatted with, um, with white colleagues in the past and, and I gave them plenty of opportunities to like present their ideas to a different crowd than who they were accustomed to working with. And I had to break my back. You know what I mean? I had to come into work on a Sunday night. I had to work through my lunch break. Um, you know, doing all sorts of things in order for them to feel okay. Mm. So in my head, imposter in that case manifests in the fact that you don't, you don't really believe this way of education or this idea that you're presenting on or, or your, your, your thinking lens really works for all children. You think it works for white children, for affluent children, for able-bodied children, for neurotypical children, but not for anyone else. But once again, that's not on me. That's a you problem. And I shouldn't do the copious amount of emotional labor that stems from your insecurities. Now, 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 that's not to say that I don't care, because I care about you as a human being, but like you said, Nick, you're, you're now starting to mine my soul, my gifts, my emotions, and I ain't got time for that. Yeah. One of the outside of education and work and whatnot, well, it happened at the workplace, but it was that viral video of that one white lady at the Victoria's Secret, and she was like writhing on the ground. Yeah, and yeah. Like, ah, I think you saw in that moment, or at least what I saw was this collective, like everything coming crashing down and she didn't know like uh in a, in a spiritual and cognitive and emotional sense mm-hmm. right a meltdown like she just couldn't cope with being um put on blast and then even though she i think had even said like you know i know i'm a black ally and all this and it's mm-hmm. like but now i'm acting this way and everything was just so overwhelming for her that she just couldn't <laughs> i think that was like imposter syndrome breaking somebody mm. like someone who um, you know, was a quote unquote an ally. And I think supposedly like, you know, a teacher mm-hmm. and, and she's simply being filmed by a black woman yeah. and didn't want to, and she didn't, and the white woman didn't want to own up to her actions and whatnot. And so she reverted and regressed back to what, um, young humans do best is just like, let me put out a scene and because I don't know how to deal with all these things. Exactly. In. Because we don't spend the time to actually process feelings and emotions and thoughts, um, and, from and being okay to uh, be wrong. Yeah. So I I was picking up our school aged children the other day, and um, this this lady and I've been doing this for what seven eight weeks at this point, okay. uh, where we would go to the school at bell time, bell time, and we you know me and the the six or seven children. Who I'm picking up from that specific school, you know, would play games, have conversations, things like that, as we wait for our transportation to come. And it usually takes about 45 minutes because we have a bus route. And this random lady, after eight weeks, came up to me and was like, Hey, so me and the other like parents wanted to know, like, who are you? And I was like, Hmm, all right, well, that's a random question as I look around as I'm the only black male like in this predominantly white affluent school um, and I go and, and then she was like oh are you a parent and I simply say no 
right? Because she's asking all these yes, no questions. And then mm. she has this confused face. And then she goes, well, are you a school counselor? And I said, no. And then she goes, uh, uh, you know, she's starting to stumble over her words. And then she's like, uh, are you a nanny? And I was just like, no, no. And then I looked at her. I was like, are you going to ask that random white lady who's also standing right there by herself? This sudden question, and I look to my right, and I'm like, "What about her, who's also standing here, but you're just singling out me?" Mm-hmm. And she, goes, oh, no, 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 it's not like that. And then like just walks away. Yeah. And I'm just like, "What? Like you see me with these children every single day? You see me get on a bus with them? I don't understand why you're singling me out." And I'm like, "What about that fragility? I don't know. Maybe it's not even the right word, but is there some sort of fragility because it's not lining up with your expectations?" of what a teacher or someone who is a caregiver should look like, mm-hmm. right? As the as a male with six, seven, eight-year-olds, as a black male, as a black male with a bigger, you know, body, um, in an affluent neighborhood when there's not a lot of racialized individuals other than, um, racialized, I mean, specifically black, right? right. There's, there's Asian, there's um, East Asian, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I would have, you know, this is where we empower our kids and be like, kids, what's my motherfucking name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wu-Tang! <laughs> That's what I just yeah. I just imagine having the kids be your advocates, right? And, like, having a conversation about that. But they're obviously privy to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, why? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, you know, and I see that again, like, yeah, imposter syndrome semi like she probably has no malintent mm-hmm. but also no wherewithal to just like maybe be like you know what i i don't maybe i don't need to be curious about this exactly and maybe i don't need to go act on it i mean she crossed to play and i saw her crossing the playground and I was talking to one of the other children. I was like, oh, no, please don't. No. I was just like, I, I see them looking at me and then walking towards me. And I was, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I wonder about, you know, imposter syndrome. Um, being a, I, I don't know how to say this, but, like, I guess, like, a, uh, maybe a, I don't know, like a double-edged sword of something good and bad, where it can be, you know, it's bad in the sense of, for communities of color where, you know, where we have to question our, our belonging in the context. Mm. Right. And then at the same time, it can break <laughs> someone like we just named two examples that I think like where you're like, no, I don't, I, I don't, it's like, it's like a question of being like, I don't, this isn't racist or I don't mean for this to sound racist. Mm-hmm. And then they bring up a question. So no, that is exactly racist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, I don't know. It's in it. I think we should um, somewhere down the line, like just uh, explore this more. But first, I got a couple other questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Mike. You know the guy you spent a good twenty minutes just listening to. Nick and I love doing these. But do you know what's more fun? Doing these in person. And that's exactly what we've started to do. We've hit the road. Well, kind of, sort of. Because, you know, COVID's still a thing. But we are now doing these workshops with organizations, being featured at conferences, and having these conversations with college students, high schoolers, and middle schoolers. And we'd love to come hang out with you next. If you want to bring us, you already know what to do. And that's drop us an email. So you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome um, when you were an educator. And a little bit as, as a director now, but can you can you shift and talk a little bit? Maybe you have another example about your specific program. Um, maybe a thing that's happening in your program that you're feeling like an imposter, whether it's how you're directing it, your strategy. Uh, meeting, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was it, this experience ended, but I was invited um, 
And I think that's a key word that I'll go back to. And I think we touched on um, that. I was invited mm. to be a part of a, a city of Seattle um, work group that was addressing housing and uh, ha- homelessness within children. Mm. And I don't know who reached out to me, but they were just like, Hey, we think that you would be good at lending your voice to this. So I said, okay. And it was on one of those, you know, racial equity toolkit things of trying to apply that lens to, um, this document that eventually came to life. And, and I was invited to represent sort of homeless natives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, and, and we chuckle about that because as, I mean, I'll just be, and as you know, my experience, like I don't have any experience with that very much. (laughs) And other than, um, maybe knowing a couple of homeless uh, or houseless native uh, people, but and I have that, but I was like three, four. So I'm like, I, I remember little bits and pieces of it, but yeah, experiencing as an adult, is totally radically different. Yeah. And you know, it became, it became radically clear that, um, the people that I was around have had very, um, very significant experiences around this, especially within the black community, because the majority of them were really brilliant, strong black women who um, brought a lot of knowledge and wisdom to the table. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I actually was just learning a lot there. And there was only a little bit that I felt like I contributed, um, but it was mostly, I guess, in the, uh, you know, just a small amount compared to what everybody else contributed. Mm-hmm. But because of the context of the situation, I was just like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and again, I want to go circle back to the key word of I was invited. Somebody saw the value of me being there. Um, so I think that helps me reconcile or at least be okay with my, my emerging imposter syndrome about that situation. Um, and, and I, you know, I did speak up and made my voice known and there was like, Hey, that's, that's a good thought. And so I shouldn't beat myself up too much about it. Mm. And that like, Hey, yeah, you know, I contributed to a context. You know, every small contribution, it adds up. And so, um, but in that moment, I, there were a lot of times like, why am I here? <laughs> you know, I can't speak to any of these mm-hmm. purposes. I can't say that I represent. Um, the native community, even if I am a preschool program director, we didn't have uh, at the time any um, children who were facing housing instability as like we did in the past. And Mm so, um, you know, was it, I even thought of like, was it the city's like sort of tokenized effort to bring us in? And and that was, Uh, you beat me to it because that was my, that was my next stop because you kept, you, you brought up invite a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, now I'm sitting here like, yeah, I've been invited to a lot of meetings where I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this thing is about. And how much of that is you inviting me because you you think I have knowledge on this subject or experience or a contribution, or I'm the only male of color, you know, I'm the only, right. It's a, it turns into optics game. As mm-hmm. opposed to who in the community do I know? Who's 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 my neighbor? Who's in my neighborhood that I actually know that can contribute to this? Um, but yeah. yeah, no, that's I, that was beautiful, Mike. Because that's definitely like, um, and especially as you and I get invited to more and more tables, I'm starting to be a little bit wary of like, mm. <laughs> why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know what? All right, I'm here. So yeah, let might not like what yeah, <laughs> might not like what I'm gonna say, but I'm here. Uh, I I wonder what do you think is underneath that for myself? Yeah, in that experience or just in general? Uh, either. Or. I think it's probably more relevant when we talk about that experience. Yeah. Um. And what's, what's underneath of me feeling that way? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, just the uh, knowing what my experience is or was. And, um, and, and you know, experience is going to 
is going to give us a good perspective on things. And I think I recognize that my perspective on this particular issue isn't as isn't as wide mm-hmm. and it's very narrow and it really only comes down to um maybe having like some uh some friends that i knew in elementary school that were homeless and going to their house which was at you know a park mm-hmm. and think yeah and 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 maybe just yeah, I think just lim- limitations to my to that experience and perspective is what's underneath of it. And maybe, maybe because I've seen the work that she did do with toddlers, maybe uh, it's from this conversation. But I, it just screams to me that you have a lot to bring, right? You have a lot of perspectives, um, and even though you might not have the lived realities what you're saying still is probably 60% more than a lot of other people, um, especially in the context in, in neighborhoods in which we live in. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and, and it's again, like I think with imposter syndrome, it's, it's this dual thing where you need to recognize your limit, limited Mm -hmm. experiences and perspectives. But also maybe not beat yourself up over it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And like, you're like, well, yep, I was invited to this table, so I'm just going to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. And maybe not flexing a false muscle of like, well, what I know about a uh, native homeless thing, and I'm like quickly Googling <laughs> it, you know, because this was like over Zoom. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. just trying to sound good. Mm-hmm. But um, just owning what you have. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if you're invited to a table, go say yes to opportunities mm-hmm. and just give what you have, you know, nothing more, nothing less. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think in that, you know, you, you establish a truth amongst the people that you're sitting at the table with and, and they can take it or leave it. And, but more importantly, you're establishing a, a truth within yourself. So I know you do, you're doing some, uh, some coaching as part of your own professional development. So I want to end our time together with maybe a simple question, but (laughs) just think about the coaching you're doing as part of your PD. What's, what's the one question you've been asked, you've been posed that helps you realize, "Hmm, no, I got this, that, that defeats that, uh, what do you call it? The saboteur. Yeah. That defeats um, this imposter syndrome you might be feeling. You know, that's a good saboteur. Uh, calling it the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that is a good question, Mike. I think there's like several things. I think when it comes down to being in relationship with people and in this work, in early childhood education that we do, everybody is so passionate about it. And with our strong passions, sometimes we carry it. We can be blindsided by our own passion Mm. or blinded by our own passion that it's hard to see other perspectives or let alone want to see them. Um, And so sometimes when you are in conversation with colleagues and friends and, and, and just people in early childhood, if it feels like a personal attack, because often it can, I think a question that was posed to me was, do they know you personally? Mm. And the answer is like, generally, no. And don't take it as a personal attack because they don't know you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you and I would be more inclined to personally attack each other because we know each other. Oh, yeah. But it's like, why would we do that? I, I would turn the knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, because when you do, when you do have close relationship and you mm-hmm. do know someone personally, you can get at those little buttons or whatever mm-hmm. and, and you, you essentially damage your relationship. Um, and, and then maybe you shouldn't be in that relationship in the first place because it's toxic. But, you know, when it's coming 
down to like, no, we're just talking about business and yeah, I'm disagreeing with you and that's okay. And, you know, and if nothing personally is actually being said, because generally there's not, and they yeah. just don't know you. Mostly generalizations that we make. Mm-hmm. And assumptions. Yeah. Um, so I would say that is one question is like, do they know you personally? Like 90% of the time it's like, no. And then, um, and then you just kind of hopefully continue on the conversation. Um, and over time, mm. another thing is where, you know, where can I continue to be curious mm. and instead of like certain and Um, I think in these leadership roles, one thing that's been new for me is really thinking of leadership as taking people somewhere, right? And same with thing with like directing. And a lot of times I think people misconstrue leadership and management together because leadership brings you forward to a place to a new horizon, a new perspective. And same thing with directing. Management sustains with where you're at. You know, because you're just managing to stay here. Um, and so I think sometimes people want leadership to just be managers. Mm. And since we both have the same coach, uh, I had I had the opportunity to work with her before you. One of the questions that I'm constantly thinking of um and probably the, the the greatest question she always asked me was all right well and i'm butchering this already um so i'll just talk around it it was around what if hey i guess that that was the 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 foundation of the question what if you what if you just did it mm-hmm what if you just said it? What if you just leaned into it? Yeah, that, that was like, that was kind of uh, resonating in my head. And I think I had it as like, so what? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, what if and so what? What if you just, like, she would be like, Mike, you keep saying that. I'm going to have to put the E on the ex- explicit on this one. But she would say, essentially, like, what if you, you always say you don't give a fuck. So what if you just didn't give a fuck? And I, I'd, I'd be like, well, no, but, but I have to, because professionalism and, and I'm, I'm working in these parameters and these boxes and like, I had, right. And I would get worked up and she was just like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what if they, and then she'll stop and be like, you're thinking about these, these situations that could arise, right? It, what, what if, why are you limiting yourself? to these thoughts, to these ideas, to, to ascribing to these things and what you think you should do. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something that has helped me really um, when I feel that imposter syndrome, when I feel like things are coming up and, and I want to limit myself, you know, she would say, keep, keep shooting for the stars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought this up. Um, 10, 20, 30 minutes ago about the, the teaching assistant earlier. And uh, let's, let's end with that instead of my last question. If you're going to speak to that person, what, what would you say to them? And maybe not this specific teaching assistant, but maybe it's someone coming straight out of college. Maybe it's someone who's been in the field for 20 years and they just had a career change and it's a new scenery or it's a new boss and it's a new environment, what, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say to them to, to remind them that they have all the tools they need, at least the foundational basic tools they need in order to not, um, you know, as I was saying this, I was like, uh, maybe they, not everyone has all the tools, but they at least have some tools in their toolbox to keep uh, children safe. To, to let children explore, whatever. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's where uh, I was going with earlier when I asked you about how does imposter syndrome enable white fragility, and I think we took it like a pretty big level. Um, but I was also 
this scenario that you brought up, like, kind of reminded me, and not necessarily white fragility, but just maybe fragility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this idea of, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be here, Mm -hmm. even though, like, through all the technicalities, no, you can be alone with kids. Yeah. And what I hear this teacher saying is... Who's also BIPOC, I don't know about that. That's why I was like, that's why I took away the white fragility, um, uh, the, or where was I going with that? Um, that even though technic, with all the technicalities, they can be alone with children. I think the idea of like, am I going to, um, be able to, and I I don't like saying manage, but am I going to be able to manage these children as effectively as my Mm co-teacher, you know, or am I going to be able to meet these children's needs as I, as I want to eventually, can I do that now? Now that I'm like, this is thrust upon me, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's kind of like, you know, a little sports analogy of like someone coming off the bench to cover for an injured player. Like, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of time to, (laughs) you know, to, to think about it too much. You just got to go out and do it and use the tools that you have. But also what I would say and what, um, I would encourage other educators out there who are experienced and have a lot of tools is tell the educator in this scenario, Hey, you have the tools you need to be successful Mm -hmm. and you have a tool shed around you of Mm -hmm. people that will provide you with what you need in a moment. It may not happen right away, but we got your back. Yeah. Give it a try. Where are your tools shed? I hired you for a reason because I believe in you. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you might be thinking about the titles, the hierarchy, but if I'm leaving you alone with five, six children, like this isn't necessarily my classroom space anymore. Mm -hmm. This is yours, right? This Mm -hmm. is ours. And and I expect you and and want you and encourage you to, to put all your beliefs, your time, your energy, your thoughts, your perspectives, um, and, and everything into this because that's how we're going to collectively thrive. Mm-hmm. And all that is can be summed up by also just saying, like, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I didn't trust you, I wouldn't be leaving you alone. And I think being very transparent yeah. about that. Sometimes it needs to be, you just need to be black and white with them mm-hmm. and just say it.